Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. Fit Nation. Your show. Founded by veterans and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their stories to If you're an author, Share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you are a corporate leader or entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, first our family, we'd love to have you come on and just share your story with the misformation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe, click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Electrocast Media and About Face Radio. So keep you tuned in to us and learn about our great guests. All right, all right. Welcome back. Speaking of our great guests, our next guest is an expert in strategic risk and business growth. Drawing on decades of experience in the insurance industry, he wrote the Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your your Business Like Amazon, which has become a Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and international bestseller. With hundreds of thousands of followers, he has been handpicked by LinkedIn as one of the world's most influential thought leaders. So without further ado, let's welcome Steve Anderson to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Steve. Rich, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. It's awesome to have you on. I know it's been a little while since we uh, scheduled this and uh, had to have some flexibility as usual in life. Things happen. Life happens, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And a lot of times it's a curveball. You can't get that bad on. So you have to take a step back and adjust and uh, do what you have to do to make it through. 
Steve, I gave a little bit about you there, just basically a little blurb from your bio. If you don't, don't mind, tell us a little more about yourself from as far back as you want to go to how we got to the Bezos letters and where we are now. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, I, I would say as, I'll go back as far as when I first started working after college, uh, started working in the insurance industry for an independent agency. So working with multiple insurance companies, selling to individuals, home, auto, typical, and businesses. And um, spent about 13 years at that agency and developed a real interest in technology. And again, this was in the start in the late 70s and the 80s. Um, lots of new stuff coming, and it just really intrigued me. Uh, ended up moving to Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, working for another agency there in the 90s. Uh, and again, continued that interest both in insurance and technology. Well, into the 90s, decided to go out on my own and really focus on helping those insurance agents that I had become quite familiar with what they do and how they do it and um, with technology. And as we know, technology continues to develop rapidly. Uh, you know, back then it was websites and uh, social media was just barely starting. What do they do with it? How do they leverage it? And all those kinds of things. Again, fast forward. Uh, so literally the last 25 plus years, I've done research, writing, speaking, and consulting around technology, new developments. And one of the things that um, really became uh, apparent to me was blending the technology and the insurance. So we know insurance is all about reducing risk, right? We buy an insurance policy. So if we have an auto accident, we have funds available to get the car fixed. If anybody's injured, help out with, with that. But with technology, that mindset doesn't work as well. And I started asking the question, is the biggest risk insurance agents face and then started asking it more broadly to business owners actually not taking enough risk. So that was sort of the germ of the idea. Started looking at different companies, some very successful at one point and some names we, I think, probably recognize uh, between BlackBerry and Blockbuster and Sears and CompUSA and Borders Bookstores very successful at one point and no longer here. So started looking, okay, what happened? Why? Also looked at companies that had continued to grow and that's where I came across Amazon and started trying to understand, okay, what's different between some of those other companies and what Amazon had done. Found the letters to shareholders that Jeff Bezos wrote starting in 1997. Uh, they first went public. Uh, and then through 2018 at the time and realized that he literally had laid out his plan, what I call hidden in plain sight, in those letters for growing Amazon. And as I continued to digest those, I realized there were some principles that he followed that I think could apply to really anybody and, and certainly business. But what I'm finding is I get lots of messages from nonprofits, religious organizations that see some benefit in some of those principles. So 
my my first iteration <laughs> was literally a, a, a what I called a white paper, one page summary of each of those letters, highlights of the letters, some key takeaways and key quotes. Fortunately, uh, my wife's been in the book business for many, many years, showed it to her. She showed it to a publisher. They both came back immediately and said, this is a book, not a white paper. So that started about an 18 month journey of, okay, how do I figure out how to actually write a book now? So that that's condensed version of obviously quite a few years along the way. Definitely. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you have the expert right in your house and that's good and brought it to the publisher. And well, there's a, her name is on the book okay. and there's a reason for that. So <laughs> you have the expert and they always having an expert around you to say, Hey, open your eyes and turn the light on. This is what you really need to do. Yeah. That helps out a lot. Yeah. Very much so. It's beautiful to have the in-house expertise too, instead of having to reach way far out. Yep. Uh, you mentioned a lot of very famous uh, organizations that uh, are no longer with us and, and the fact of the matter is that they didn't grow when they needed to or didn't evolve when they needed to. Yes. They missed the bus. And didn't change, didn't update. I mean, BlackBerry's a great one. iPhone was announced and, and there were co-CEOs at the time. And their comment was, nobody's going to want to type on a glass keyboard. Yeah. Because if you remember BlackBerry, it had that great keyboard everybody loved yes. until they found something better, right? Uh, and, and BlackBerry was all focused on business not consumer iphone was consumer that took over and swallowed up business and so lots of you know kind of lessons there certainly yeah i think the last blockbuster just closed either the beginning of this year or end of last year in uh in uh, the northwest so the last yeah bend, bend oregon was the yeah. last blockbuster it's 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 now an airbnb oh, <laughs> so. wow. Wow. <laughs> i wonder if they have video cassettes in there for everyone to rent yes exactly <laughs> And that, that was a, I mean, I used to love going to Blockbuster, not just to get the movies. They always had the great candy selection too. Yep, and, exactly. Candy and popcorn and all the stuff you'd need, right? <laughs> it was always at the end cap where my daughter would see it right away when she was little and, and you had to get it because that's where they put it. So exactly. that's where, And there was a reason they put it there. <laughs> exactly. And that's why they were successful for so long until the light yep. turned off. So, yep. well, but, and, honestly, in their case, until Netflix came along yeah. and Again, DVDs had just started coming out and now you could rent and get them in the mail, but no late fees. So you could keep them as long as you wanted. And Blockbuster just couldn't make that business shift to a different type of model. Yeah, the, the little red envelopes from Netflix and now Netflix is its own, it evolved into its own monster itself as yes. now it's the streaming service for the world, basically. So. Yep. Exactly. They're, they're continuing to see the, the future mindset instead of staying with their old and trusty habits. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's one of the keys. It, it Again, back at Amazon is they're always looking at what's next. Um, and, and kind of that risk taking is, is my first principle is encourage successful failure. And that's one of the things Bezos did early on at Amazon is in his kind of mindset, you have to experiment to find out what you're going to invent on behalf of the customer. And if you're going to experiment, you're going to fail. Because if you do an experiment and you know it's going to work, it's not an experiment. 
right? But you don't know what's going to work unless you try different things. And that's something that's been consistent throughout their, what, 26 years now of growing and developing as a company. And to look where he started, basically in a garage setting to do yep. it. And now there's, uh, I guess, uh, distribution centers throughout the country. Uh, we have Well, one throughout the world. Yeah, the I mean, exactly. And, and um, all of that that we see now started as we are not quite sure how this is going to work, but let's try this. Right. And that either worked or it didn't work. They learned from it. Then let's try that. And it worked. Or, I mean, so it just kept going. Um, and, and again, logistics. Yes. Computing platforms, uh, Amazon Web Services, all, and, and then third-party marketplace, right? Having third-party small businesses sell right on their pages. This crazy idea. Who does that except Amazon? Because another principle is they were obsessed over their customers. And so it was a better for customers. It would be better for Amazon in the long run. And too many companies think short-term, not long-term. Exactly. They think of the basically the five-meter target instead of the 50-meter target. And yep. they fall short when they're running to that 50-meter target later. Uh, yeah. he, built, he built a distribution center in Nashville here. And then now they're building one just basically we're 40 miles away from there. They're building another one right in our, our town here, which is not yeah. even half the size of Nashville. So it, yeah. he understands the growth process here just in Tennessee. And the biggest well, company FedEx. Yeah, and I, I'm outside Tennessee and Franklin. And so, you know, I'm always surprised when I order something and it, they say they can have it to me in six hours. Right. And I was like, <laughs> how does that work? And, you know, I've been fortunate. I've been in and toured two different fulfillment centers. It's an amazing operation. It's complicated and it runs like clockwork most of the time. Like everything, there's going to be those little uh, nuances of problems when they're doing things yep. and new people, new systems, things that tend to go awry at sometimes. You can yep. see their drivers, their drivers all seems like they're always trying to sprint once they get someplace. They stop, they do the little scan in the truck, they take the picture and they run back to the truck and they're on it again. Yep. And, uh, and they're on, on their way. Exactly. And you get that text and you're, you get a little message saying nine stops from your house. Say, no yep. way it's nine stops from my house. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it always excites me. <laughs> yes, exactly. My wife doesn't like it much when I spend a lot on Amazon, but you know, just, they have everything I need right there. It's better than walking into Walmart. Yes, it is. Yep, I agree. So why was why do you think it was crucial for him to become more customer, um, I guess, obsessed than to just be customer? Well, and, and a lot of these started at the very beginning. So in his 97 letter, he actually laid out his philosophy. And, and one of those was we will obsess over customers. Um, and that's been a core belief at Amazon from the very beginning to now. I mean, if you look at it, that that's what they do. And it's, you know, companies talk about customer focus and customer journey and they talk about customers a lot, but I've always felt it was really interesting that he used the word obsess because that certainly has some negative connotations too, right? Like you're, it's too much, right. but when it comes to customers, can you be too much focused on, on customers? And he believes no. 
and, and another phrase he uses throughout the letters is, we invent on behalf of our customers. And again, lots of examples there. Customers weren't asking for a Kindle e-reader, but they, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, quoting, he said, we have the audacious goal to reinvent something that's been around for 500 years, meaning the book, you know, and what he realized as they were experimenting with different ideas is that the kind of the beauty of a book is it actually fades away once you're in the story. And so that's what they wanted to design the Kindle to do. And, and they weren't the first with e-readers, but the e-readers prior to theirs, you always had to hook up to a computer. One of their great inventions was download a book that, and one of their goals with the Kindle was download a book in 60 seconds or less and begin reading. So they built in wireless access and, you know, you didn't need to hook up to a, with a cable to a computer to get a book on the, the device. And so, and again, they've kept iterating into their latest version, which is the Kindle Scribe, which is a, almost a tablet size that you can actually write on with a pen. So they yes, keep working on improving what they, they have. I know a lot of people like either highlight things in a book or write notes yep. in the margins and such. So yeah. now you can do that even on the electronic version. So that exactly, especially for if you're a college student or a master's or doctorate, or whatever, and you have to read eight billion things and have to take those notes as you're going. That's the yep. best thing to do, best thing to have. It's much easier than highlighting on PDF on your on your computer and then trying to figure out what you highlighted, what you highlighted, and where is it? And... Yeah. Without yeah, having exactly. To that's another forward thinking way he did things there and still yeah. doing things as they continue to evolve with time, with the times. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, again, as we kind of make a comparison, which is what I was did, that's one of the things that is different. They're, they're one willing to admit failure and close things down Two, they're always testing and, and trying to figure out, okay, how can we do this better? Partly customer obsession partly dynamic invention and innovation. So there are a, a number of principles that go on there that has have helped them keep um, growing, keep improving uh, and and keep the focus on on customers and how they how they interact with them. Definitely. And uh, I think I think he's doing they're doing a great job, especially like you said, they started uh, 99, 97, 98, 99. So I remember that when they first came out, they offered like affiliate programs for people to share your link yep. and get people to go to your, go through your yep. link to buy stuff. And then you get like a percentage and that's, a, that has evolved too, as where you can now share your link and maybe get some Amazon dollars or something like that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. A little, little, you know, make a little bit of money. <laughs> so yes. We're some of the early adopters of some of that technology. So um, yeah, again, what's best for customers. And they had three customer pillars from the beginning. Um, low prices, and they're not always absolute lowest, but low prices, fast delivery, and wide selection. And he says in one letter, he says, we don't think our customers will want higher prices, less selection, and slower delivery. And so that's been, again, their focus 
on like the trucks and delivery and prime and in one to two day delivery. And, you know, certainly we saw that explosion during the lockdowns with the pandemic where, you know, people absolutely relied upon Amazon to get stuff they needed. And lots of things they probably didn't need, but they wanted because they were well, so poor. They, they yeah. just and that's, certainly Amazon hopes that's the case, but no question. <laughs> but absolutely. Yeah. I know they, they wanted to make sure you had everything you needed, but they also were, you know, in the back of their mind, there's stuff that they're going to want when they go through there. So let's yep. put these things based on their search history. So as soon as you open Amazon, your search history comes up. And based off yep. this purchase, maybe you'd like this. Yeah, or people who bought this also like that, right? All of those things. Uh, and again, most of that they developed. And, you know, some people have, don't like that. I actually do because it helps narrow down the, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands potential items into more of the ones that I think may fit what I'm actually looking for. So I see it as a benefit. And they'll also tell you the things that you need. If you buy, uh, say, this big product, you probably need these two products with it to make it really work at its optimal right. level. Yeah, so they tell exactly. you a good price for it at the same time. So exactly, that's yeah. an amazing. That's an amazing trend that they do. You don't get that anywhere else. Uh, you can go on Best Buy and you'll just have the same price for each item, each of those three items at right. two hundred dollars, yep. two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. No yep. discount delivery. So <laughs> well, and again, that's part of their original strategy. Even for their website, you know, Amazon never really advertised that much. They relied on word of mouth because what Bezos said is if our customers have a great experience on our website, they're going to tell other people, hey, have you gone here? And they continued to build and develop that streamlined experience, which continues to bring more and more customers into their site which actually allows them to negotiate better pricing with manufacturers because their volume increases. I mean, it, it's just this um, interesting, what they call the virtual cycle, right? We work on all of these things and, and everything gets better for the customer and for Amazon. Definitely. Uh, you, we spoke about the, the e-readers or Kindle earlier. They started out basically just selling books when they first started and then kind right. of moving products. Now and then they evolved into publishing books, doing the self-publishing for people. Yep. And that's another that's another great move too, because now you're cutting out uh, the big publishing company, having me or you can just write a book and it goes in there. They get they do most of the work after you get it in there. We each split the profits basically, so it, it's a win-win right. exactly. for the author end and, for that. And honestly, typically an author gets more money. Again, there are reasons to publish with a publisher. And if you can't get that, then this could be a great option for a lot of people. And you get, typically you get a bigger cut of the sales of a book in that type of model. Right. Especially if they go to ease the ebook way, you get right. way more than you would yep. if, it, if it was the printed way. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that was another amazing uh, home run hit that they did there. And it's helping many people get their voice out there that probably would never have their books out there. Yeah, no, I agreed. And again, that's, you know, I keep coming back to this, but that's all part of that customer obsession. How can we help authors better? How can we help, you know, moms at home better by 
get, having you know subscription services of of stuff they know they're going to be reordering and not have to worry about remembering to do that. I mean, all these little things are are pieces and components that fit into the bigger picture for Amazon. Do you think that uh, Bezos would have grown Amazon as big as it is if he wasn't willing to take risks? No, I don't. In fact, I call him the master of risk um, because of how he views risk strategically. So again, really core idea for me is this encourage successful failure idea. And he talks a lot about that. And he talks a lot about programs that didn't work and that they closed. But what they learned, they came back and tried another version of it. And so he's not afraid. I think too many business owners and, and entrepreneurs, people who are starting new businesses, often are thought of as risk takers. But I actually don't know that they are. And again, there's this balance of too much risk and not enough risk. And so when I, I say taking risk as a business, you know, it really is how do I, well, at Amazon, let me say it this way. It's not just willy nilly, let's see if it works. It's a very thought out strategic process that they go through to try and mitigate a failure. So they, they don't look to fail, but they're not afraid of failure because they know it can help move things forward. Right. And, and, you know, he has a whole interesting childhood and background and growing up that I think helped reinforce that idea of risk taking. Um, one of them is he spent from about age six to about 16, so about 10 years, he spent every summer at his grandfather's ranch in West Texas, and they were miles from anything. So they had to be reliant on their own skill and ingenuity to fix things because they couldn't just run to the corner hardware store. And so I think he learned a lot there about how to think about problems, how to come up with solutions and, and how, to, how to put them together to, to make them work. And sometimes uh, the lessons you probably didn't think were great growing up turn out to be home runs for you when you when you come no out the house and do things. Yeah. yeah, very much so. A lot of things that we thought uh, were stupid or dumb that our parents were telling us. Actually, if you look back when you become a parent, you're like now yeah, I understand. Say, now I understand what's changes happening. when you're on the the parent side versus the <laughs> kid side, right? Yeah, the perspective changes pretty much at that point. Yes, no question about it. So, Steve. If you want to share four, what are the four growth cycles that uh, every company, every successful company must always be perpetually in? So when I came up with the 14 principles, that's a lot. So what I started thinking about, okay, is how do these principles fit into where a business might be at any point in time? And so that's where the cycles came in. And there are four, as you said, test, build, accelerate, and scale. Test is Courage, successful failure, build is obsess over customers, long-term thinking, accelerate. Okay, now that we've got an idea, we've tested it, it's starting to appear to be successful. How do we accelerate that growth and not get 
really stuck in bureaucratic. Too many businesses, when they grow, get bureaucratic, and that just slows down growth. And then scale is kind of what's that last step of really scaling into a, a larger long-term uh, company that's viable over time. And, you know, again, I think there's there some of the principles there uh, is focus on high standards, maintain your culture, um, measuring what matters, but questioning what's measured. Uh, so it, I think it helps, and I've been told it helps people understand where the principles may apply. And I believe every business, small or larger, is going through these cycles. And the larger the business, it may be a divisions at a different place than the other parts of the company. And I think it just helps give a, um, a framework, you know, to look at. And, and for me, it's, in writing the book, it's applying it. It's not just theory. How, how does this actually help and work in a company? Outstanding. And uh, I like how you break that down into the four areas. Uh, and if we're not scaling as we're growing, we need to understand what scaling has to do with the, the growth of a business. If you go too big too soon, you might not be able to keep up with it logistically at exactly. all. And yep. then you collapse if you... And then you're gone. Right. And and then on the other side, if you scale too far back, you're also going to be gone. You won't be able to keep up with demand on the opposite yeah. end. So you yeah. have to find a happy space in the middle to really uh, hit hit it out of the park and win. Exactly. Totally agree. And and I, I would say one of the – if I have a favorite principle, it might be the last one, um, principle 14 in the scale area. It's called Believe It's Always Day One. And a short story there. Uh, Bezos was at uh, in front of an all-hands meeting in Seattle, a regular occurrence every quarter or so. And he had kind of finished a, a company update and had opened it up for questions from employees. And they had submitted questions beforehand. So he had some note cards. And he, he looked down at the next question and, and he said, hmm, I kind of chuckled a little bit. He said, I think I know the answer to this. And he's, the question was, Jeff, what does day two look like? A little background there. Day one is something that was part of what he talked about from the very beginning. And in fact, he closed every single shareholder letter with some version of it's still day one. It's always day one. Even with the problems this year, it's still day one. But here's what he said about day two. Day two is stasis, followed by irrelevance, followed by excruciating painful decline, followed by death. And that's why it's always day one. And day one's a, really a mindset around being excited like the first day you opened your business. And I think I always then go back to the blockbusters and the Borders and right, all of those companies fit into that day too, right? And it could take a long time. Some of those companies were around a long time, but they were going down, not going up. Right. So I think that in, in terms of a mindset is a, a, an important one for any organization, I would say. 
I think that day one mindset is also can be equated to, say, a successful football coach who every time yeah. brings his team in football at halftime, hey, it's 0-0, you got 30 minutes to win this game. No matter what the score is, if you're winning by 30 or whatever, it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Is that way to keep fighting and keep yep. going to victory. Yep. And we certainly have some recent games that uh, that played <laughs> itself out, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes. <laughs> our recent, the recent past will show you a lot of those things. And uh, exactly, a lot of people went home hurting at the end. So yes, it's like, oh darn, dang it. <laughs> Steve, this has been great chatting with you. If you can give uh, three tips to that that young or any any age person that's starting their business and want to be successful, what would that be? Well, I would say. Uh, really literally three that some of we talked about come to mind. One is be willing to experiment um, and, and, and try and mitigate the downside of failure. So figure out what that looks like. I think two, have a mindset of obsessing over customers. And again, you're gonna be focused on customers, but do you obsess? You know, do you go overboard? I think that's important. And then the third one is that day one mindset that you keep that excitement every day when you walk into your office, your store, your manufacturing, whatever it is, keep that excitement going because that's what will keep you going. And that's what will keep your employees going and keep your customers coming back and wanting to continue to do business with you. Outstanding. Thank you, Steve. And how does someone get in contact with you or or check things out that you're doing now? So really two primary ways. One is the website for the book is thebezosletters.com. And there's some additional material there that might help if you read the book. Um, second is LinkedIn is my primary social platform that I'm on. So um, Steve Anderson probably can search for me. You might see insurance stuff and you might see book stuff. Um, okay. So those are kind of the two primary things that I do. But yeah, let me know that you heard me here and I'll be glad to connect with you if you'd like. Outstanding. Once again, Steve, thanks for being flexible and thanks for sharing your knowledge today with us. My pleasure, Rich. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit at our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 